everyone, this is the Written by Lauren podcast. I'm your host, Lauren, and today we are reading chapters 16 and 17 from my series, In Her Name. If you haven't heard chapters 1 through 15, make sure to listen to those before listening to this week's episode. But if you're all caught up, please sit back and enjoy the episode. Chapter 16. The Speech. Franklin Fickle sat in his cell, refusing to say anything without a lawyer. He knew he would have to go to trial, and that his lawyer would most likely tell him to plead guilty for a lesser sentence. But either way, he was sure he was going to be in prison for a long time. He wasn't sure he was going to make it in prison, though. Prison was for criminals, and what he had did was justice. Justice for the kids that those women had hurt and abused for all those years. He sat on his cot-like bed, with its itchy wool blanket and thin mattress, thinking of ways he could escape if things didn't go his way, which he was sure wouldn't. He had done his fair share of research on punishments that people like him had gotten. Like him in simple terms, of course. He knew he was justified in his actions. He leaned back against the cold concrete wall and closed his eyes. He didn't know how long his eyes had been closed for, but he drifted off and was startled awake by the sounds of his cell door being banged on. Come on, Fickle. Let's go, the guard had said. He stood up, confused. Where am I going, he stated. The guard shook some handcuffs and Fickle placed his hands through the bars as the guard tightened them around his wrists. Your lawyer is here to talk to you. Ah, uh, of course. To discuss their plan of action in court, no doubt. Fickle walked down the hall until they made it to the room with his lawyer. His lawyer was a younger man. He looked as if he meant business. And when talking to Fickle, it was all business. Laws and facts was what they discussed. Nothing personal. Fickle was fine with that. He just needed this guy to get him the best deal. Fickle didn't say anything as he sat down. His lawyer, Spencer Phillips, was organizing some papers and folders and didn't acknowledge Fickle at first. The guard left them alone and finally Spencer looked up and greeted Fickle. How are you doing, Mr. Fickle? Fickle stared at him. No need to present his fake smile in his current predicament. I'm not in the mood for small talk. What have you got for me? Spencer smiles a little to himself and takes a piece of paper from his pile. I wanted to know if you recognized the name on this witness list. All the others make sense except... I'm not sure who this is. Fickle takes a piece of paper and looks over it. He isn't bored and he isn't hiding it. Fickle couldn't exactly complain about being able to get out of his tiny new home, but he wished he had music or a bike to exercise on. He scanned the list quickly and his heart skipped a beat when he saw the final name. Was this some sort of joke? What was her name doing on this list? He blinked a couple of times. He had to be seeing things, but no, there it was. As he read the name, a wave of emotions engulfed him. As he remembered her sweet, smelling red hair and her beautiful voice whispering secrets in his ears, or calling out to him across the bookstore. Of course she preferred Ness when he knew her. It seemed like a lifetime ago, and it was. He wondered how they had found her, and what she would say. Surely she wouldn't say anything about that night so many years ago. She had had plenty of time to say something before now. And she hadn't because... Well, because she loved him. If you didn't love someone, you wouldn't keep something like that a secret. She must have a plan. A plan to tell the court the Frank that she knew, who was kind and gentle. Fickle was still staring at the paper when Spencer cleared his throat. Fickle looked at him over the piece of paper, annoyed he had interrupted his thoughts. So, do you know her? Vanessa? Fickle set the paper down and pushed it towards Spencer. I do. And I don't see us having any issues with her. She was an ex-girlfriend and... We love... We were very much in love. Spencer eyed Fickle. I see. Well, you did say ex-girlfriend, so no hard feelings during the breakup? Fickle spoke quickly. Absolutely not. We just... He paused, taking a moment to think of the right words to say. Went our separate ways. She was a drifter, and 
never stayed in one spot for too long. Spencer looked at his notes. The prosecution seems to think that she's going to be helping them in their case. You should really think hard about what she could possibly say to incriminate you. Pickle raised an eyebrow and didn't say anything else. Spencer, feeling as though he wasn't going to get anything else out of Fickle, decided that he would leave. All right, Fickle, I'll let you sit on that information for a couple days, and please take this very seriously. He gathered his things and stood up. He went to the door and waited for someone to open it for him. The door opened shortly, and he turned back to Fickle before leaving the room. I hope you're right about this woman, Fickle. For your sake. Spencer turned and left the room, leaving Fickle to return to his cell and continue on with his uneventful day in his cold, gray, concrete hell. The days continued to pass mostly uneventful for Fickle. His days were on a sort of schedule, which he appreciated. It helped him get through his days as he could tell what time it was and how long until lights out by mealtimes and other daily activities. He spent his days after that last visit with his lawyer thinking about Ness. He was excited to see her. He dreamed of what he imagined she looked like now. Had she married? Did she have children? He shook the thought from his mind. He didn't want to think of her with someone else. He did hope she was happy with whatever it was that she had been doing since they last saw each other. He also wondered if history had been slightly different. Would he have ended up with Ness? Would they have gotten married? Had kids? He tried to imagine them having children, but he couldn't quite see it in his head. He stopped thinking about that quickly. Now he only thought of how he missed her. Longed to cup her face and kiss her nose. Most nights he fell asleep imagining her lying next to him. He would of course wake up and have to live his very mundane life inside the concrete box. He stopped thinking about how differently things could have gone in order to avoid getting caught. It was too late for that. He would just need to get through his current situation. He had seen his lawyer multiple other times during his stay and before his trial started, and they together had come up with a plan. He went along with his lawyer's plan, as he knew he had to play the good little criminal for the time being, and to be honest, he just wanted the day to come where he could see Ness again. The day of his trial finally came, and he was loaded up and brought to the courthouse. To his surprise, there was a large crowd outside the building, holding up signs and yelling foul things about Fickle. He felt sorry for them. Of course, they didn't understand what he had done had helped so many. He was taken into the courtroom quickly and sat down to wait until everyone was ready. Spencer was getting his paperwork in order. Again, he didn't greet him. He'd gotten used to Spencer's behavior, but he was still bothered by his lack of acknowledgement. There was a low murmur of chatter behind him as they had let a number of civilians, journalists, and news stations enter the courtroom. He hadn't given them any notice when he walked in, but he was curious as the time passed. Who all had showed up? He wondered if he would know anyone in the crowd. He thought it best to ignore them and focus on what was in front of him. During the trial, Fickle made it seem as if he was paying attention and was actually interested in what was going on, but to be honest, he was sick of the prosecution and everything they were saying. What he really wanted was to see Ness, but it seemed like that would have to wait until tomorrow. They had been going on for some time now, and they would be wrapping up for the day. Just as Fickle thought things would be done, he heard the judge agree to having someone speak not as a witness, but as a victim. Fickle came out of his daze and looked at Spencer and whispered quickly to him, Who did they say? Spencer didn't look at him when he responded. Maybe in order to not make a scene, but it didn't matter. Fickle heard what he said, and he looked back behind him as everyone else did the same when the prosecutors motioned for her to come forward. Amber stood up. She had been there the entire time. She had been sitting quietly in the back of the courtroom listening to all of this, and now she wanted to speak as a victim? It was absurd. He had done her a favor. There was no way she could go up there and say anything nice about her mother. She would absolutely have to be lying if she said she missed her mother. She had been terrified of her mother and Fickle had helped her to be free from the burden of that hateful woman. 
As she could even be called a mother from all the horrific and nasty things she did to Amber. Fickle sat up straighter. He would be giving this speech his full attention. Amber walked up and exchanged a few words with the prosecutor and faced towards the judge and jury. Fickle could tell she was nervous. Was that because she was about to expose her mother or lie through her teeth? Amber looked back at Fickle, making eye contact. Fickle didn't break it, but stared right back. Amber didn't look mad or angry. She looked sort of sad and maybe lost. Fickle screamed, but only in his head, hoping somehow Amber would be able to hear him. I did it for you. To save you from the pain she inflicted upon you. I didn't want you to hurt any more from the hands of that woman. He continued silently screaming at her. I know you wanted to be set free, and I did that for you. He didn't know if Amber had heard his cries she turned her head away from him and faced the judge and jury once more, and began. Amber sat in Lily's room alone. She wore a plain black dress and stared out the window, wondering how many people were going to show up to her mother's funeral. It had only been a couple days since she had identified her mother's lifeless body at the morgue. Since then, she had been going non-stop preparing for her mother's funeral, and everything that that entailed. Of course, Lily and her parents had been there for the entire thing, supporting her when she needed, and giving her advice when she asked for it. Amber was so very grateful for her friend and her family. She didn't know what she would have done if she was all alone. Except, she was alone. She had no family anymore. Her mother was the only blood family she had known. Betty didn't keep in touch with her side of the family, and Amber didn't really know where or how to get a hold of them. She didn't know if she wanted to get to know them either. She knew that some had found out about Betty's death because she had an influx of friend requests on social media. She was drained and didn't know how much more she could take. She was ready for the funeral to be over. She hoped she could sleep for five days straight afterwards, but figured that wouldn't be an option either. There was a soft knock on the door, and Amber peeled her eyes away from the window and looked towards the door. Lily pushed it open slowly. We're ready to head out if you are. Amber nods and stands, straightening her dress and heading towards the door where Lily stood. Before Amber could pass her, Lily grabbed Amber and pulled her into a hug. Amber had been tense, and she hadn't even noticed until now. Her shoulders relaxed at her touch, and she sank into her. She let her hands wrap around Lily, and they stood there holding each other for a long moment. Neither wanted to be the first to let go. Amber gave Lily a small squeeze, and they dropped arms. They didn't have to say anything else. Lily understood that Amber didn't want to talk and respected that. She was there for the entire ride to the cemetery, and she stood by her during the entire ceremony. To Amber's surprise, it was quite the turnout. The news of her mother's murder by a college professor had spread like wildfire through the town, and although she didn't even know half the people that showed up, she didn't care that they were there. She'd gotten used to people wanting to talk to her and ask her questions, but most people left her alone today. Of course, she got many people telling her that they were sorry for her loss and other similar things, but as she left right after it was over, not many other things could be asked or said to her. For the next month or so, she ignored many requests from the media and from her social media to meet up. She didn't feel like seeing anyone or talking to anyone either. She didn't want to see the sad eyes she knew they would be giving her. Amber didn't know how to deal with her emotions. And although she wouldn't have to endure her mother's abusive ways, she wasn't sure how she should feel about her mother's passing. No, her mother's murder. She had to keep reminding herself that her mother didn't just die. She had been murdered by a man that Amber had looked up to and respected. A man that she had looked to for advice. She didn't know why he had killed her mother but she had decided to go to the trial and watch everything unfold. She hadn't told Lily she was going, and she was kind of scared to. She was glad that Lily was there for her, and didn't push her to talk about anything she didn't want to, but she did feel bad that she hadn't opened up to her a bit more. Lily was patient with her, but she wondered if Lily would think this was a bad idea. Finally, 
Amber decided to tell Lily that she had planned on going to the trial once she had been asked to speak at it. She knew she couldn't keep it in any longer, and besides, she was nervous and would need the support. Lily listened as Amber told her what she had decided. She was quiet at first and then spoke with admiration. I'm proud of you, Amber. Whatever you decide to say, I'll be proud of you for going up there and sharing your truth. Amber let out the breath she had apparently been holding. That's the thing, though. I don't know what I'm going to say. Lily took Amber's hand and squeezed. You say what comes from your heart. You say your truth, no matter what it is. Amber responded in a worried tone. They obviously want me to say something that's going to help them prosecute him. Lily pulls Amber into a hug. It doesn't matter what they want. Amber nods and lets Lily hold her close. Amber sat in the back of the courtroom listening to all the gruesome details of her mother's kidnapping, torture, and murder. She thought of how wrong her impression of Professor Fickle had been. He had fooled everyone. It hadn't just been her. Knowing that made her feel a bit better, but sitting through this was still very difficult. She had been told that she didn't need to be there the whole time. They had told her they would call her when they needed her. But she declined and said she would like to sit in the back and listen. Of course, Lily and her parents had come. They all sat in the back and held hands or passed tissues when needed. No one had come to talk to Amber, so she assumed that reporters hadn't known she was there. She was sure they would have loved to snap a picture of her reacting to everything. She figured keeping to herself after the funeral had helped her not become too recognizable. When it was time for Amber to go up to the front, she was unsure her legs would even work. She had used the back of the bench in front of her to steady herself before heading up. It was unavoidable now. All the eyes stared at her as realization set in that they could have gotten a few good shots of her during the more gruesome talk. They had their chance now, though. Amber walked slightly slower than she normally would have, only because she was worried that her legs may give out beneath her, and she really didn't want to see the headlines and pictures if that happened. Once Amber made it to the front, she realized she hadn't looked at Professor Fickle in the face since he apologized for asking her inappropriate questions about her mother. She had to see for herself, the man she had looked up to, and see if she could see him for who he was, a murderer. She turned her head and looked at him, and to her surprise, he was already looking at her. They made eye contact, and she searched those eyes for the killer she now knew was behind them. She didn't know what his eyes were telling her in this moment. She wasn't sure she could trust her own judgment at the moment. She broke her gaze and looked back at the judge and jury. She glanced at Detective Larson, who was close by, and she gave her a reassuring nod, and Amber began. Hi, I'm... I'm Amber Hill, and Betty was my mother. She paused and suddenly wished she had written herself a speech. She shook the thought off and reminded herself that all she had to do was say what was written in her heart. I've been sitting in the back of this courtroom all day, listening to everyone talk about what happened to my mom, what was done to her, and I would never want anyone to go through that sort of pain and abuse. It was terrible the things that were done to her. I won't stand up here and defend his actions because there is no defending them. I would like to say that I hope she didn't suffer, but I know she did. He made sure of that. Amber paused to compose herself and then continued. But what I also didn't come up here to do is to feed you some fairy tale of my mother. She wasn't a good person. She was often unkind to me, and she hurt me on many occasions. I was often scared and anxious when she was around. I didn't know when she would abuse me or how, and it drove me insane that she didn't love me how a mother should. She had to have been in a lot of pain to treat me how she did, and I'm sure that in her final days, she was in a lot of pain still. I wish she would have been able to feel some happiness while she was still on this earth, but it's too late now. Thank you for listening. Amber nodded, turned, and left the front and returned to her seat next to Lily in the back. There was a silence that followed the closing of her speech. It had been quiet during her speech, but after it felt as if no one even occupied the courtroom.
Chapter 17 The Betrayal Lily and her parents helped Amber get to the car without too much trouble from the crowd. Shouts of people asking if she was happy Professor Vickle had killed her mother, and why had she let her mother treat her so poorly if she was telling the truth. Amber knew she would get questions like that. She knew not everyone would understand her reasoning behind finally talking about her mother's abuse after so many years of keeping it to herself. She knew people would question her timing, but she didn't care. She knew what she had said wouldn't help Fickle in any way. Her intention wasn't to help prosecute him. Her intentions may have felt a little selfish, but she knew that if people actually listened to what she had said, they would understand. And if they didn't, well, she didn't care. Along with the shouts of disapproval, she heard some encouraging shouts as well, which included things like, Thank you for your honesty and it's never too late to stand up for yourself. Even things such as, We support you, Amber. Once inside the safety of the car, Lily and her parents both made sure to let Amber know how proud they were of her. Back inside his cell, Bickle replayed Amber's speech over and over in his head. He was surprised to say the least. She had told the truth and not tried to spew some story about how amazing her mother was. She hadn't even glossed over Betty's behavior. She told everyone who she really was. He had hoped that would shed some light on why he did what he did. He hoped that someone would understand and see why he had to do it. It had to be done in order for Amber to be free. I mean, look at her. Her speech was dignified, and she didn't stand around crying trying to gain sympathy from the jurors. Spencer hadn't cared that Amber told everyone about her abusive mother. He didn't think this would help him in any way. Spencer had said that even though she told everyone who Betty really was, she hadn't excused Fickle's behavior, and that the jury would still most likely vote against him. He said it showed that hurting someone no matter the reason wasn't justified. Fickle wasn't sure of what Ness was going to say either, but Spencer also assured him that at this point it didn't matter if she had given him raving reviews. When she had known him, it had been long ago, and people can, and do, change. Spencer wasn't even sure why they would need Ness to come up to the stand anyway. They had gotten what they needed from Amber that afternoon. Again, before Fickle was locked up for the night, Spencer advised him to take the deal the prosecution had presented them, and again, he declined. To Fickle, it didn't matter his sentence. What mattered was seeing Ness and hearing what she had to say. Then, and only then, would he know his next course of action. It was all up to his one true love. He stayed up for a while that night. Not that he wasn't tired, but he would need to be prepared for anything. He wouldn't let himself get caught unprepared yet again, all because of the despicable Bethany Hill. The next day's events were similar to the day before, except, of course, the increased attention that was allotted to Amber she again sat in the back of the courtroom, but this time her presence was noticed by the news crews and other attendees for the day. She ignored them and kept her attention to what was going on up front. The day lingered on, and Fickle wondered when Ness was going to show up. How could she miss this opportunity to see him after all these years? Granted, he was on trial for murder. Maybe she didn't want to see him in such a position. He was starting to lose hope that he wouldn't see her when finally, the moment he had been waiting for, came. I'd like to ask Vanessa Finnegan to the stand, Your Honor. Fickle's heart pounded as he scanned the crowd for his red-headed beauty. He couldn't see her. The doors to the courtroom opened instead, and then she walked. To Fickle, it was as if the courtroom and its many occupants had all vanished. It was just him and Ness. She was still just as beautiful. He of course knew she would be. She walked right up and was sworn in with haste. She hadn't even looked at him. Why wouldn't she look at him? He needed to see her look at him. The last time he had seen her, she had looked at him with a look of horror on her face and he hadn't forgotten. It had been so long, she must have forgiven him by now. The rest of the courtroom had come back as she started answering questions. He wanted to hear exactly what was asked, and what she had to say. The first actual question they asked her was to identify him. This was the moment he had been waiting for, the moment that would dictate the rest of his life. 
Would she look at him with the love she used to? Ness took a deep breath, turned, and looked at Frank. Her eyes filled with tears, but not of happiness. She was sorrowful. She was in pain and Frank wanted to rush to her, to comfort her. She took a moment to compose herself and said, Yes, that's him. She turned away from him and dabbed her eyes, and continued with her questioning. Frank sat there while Ness answered the questions she was asked. She recalled how much she had cared for him, and how wonderful she had thought he was. She had said no to did he ever show signs of aggression towards you. He was feeling hopeful. She must still care so deeply for him, and he was kicking himself knowing that he had put her in this situation. He had never wanted to hurt her, and she was clearly hurting. Then, the moment came when she was asked about that night so long ago. The night she had left. The night that had ruined his life. She had recalled the day being a regular day. One like any other. She mentioned Frank leaving her for the night, and then her realizing that she had wanted him to never leave again. Frank had never known this. This is why she had followed him home that night. She had wanted to ask him to join her in the greatest adventure of all time. Life. Of course, she never got to ask him because of the situation in which she found him. For the first time, Frank turned away from her. She had betrayed him, like he never imagined her to. She had finally told the world what she had held on to for so long. She should have never repeated what she had seen that night. And he couldn't believe now she was exposing him. He could never move on from this. No one was supposed to know the things that had come out about him in court. His mother's own abuse towards him. How she hadn't been seen for years. And there was no record of her death. No record of her being missing. But none of that mattered now, because Ness had been the final nail in his coffin. Frank quickly scanned the room. Everyone was mesmerized by Ness and her story. Frank reached down and fiddled with his shoe, and straightened back up. Every woman he had ever known had betrayed him. Nothing else mattered in this moment. He now knew that he meant nothing to the only woman he had ever loved. The attorney looked at the judge and said, No further questions. He turned and went to his seat. Frank seized this opportunity as he didn't think he would have a better chance. Frank stood up. Spencer, who was mortified, quickly tried to get Frank to sit down, but he no longer cared what anyone had to say. The courtroom was abuzz following his sudden movement. I have something to say, Frank said. The judge asked him to sit down, but he refused. He was going to say what he had bottled up inside. Ness looked at him again. Knowing something was up, she held her breath. Frank continued despite the pleads for him to sit. I loved you, Ness. From the moment I laid eyes on you, I remember it as if it happened only moments ago. You stepping out of that truck... The bike rides we shared. The magical moments we spent together day after day. He was interrupted by the judge, but he just spoke louder. He needed Ness to hear what he had to say. He would never have the chance again. You were the only person that saw me. That really saw who I was. Despite my hardships. You looked at me with passion. And showed me how happy and fulfilled life could be. Ness listened to him as he spoke. Her heart broke for the man she had once loved. And for not saying something sooner. Maybe none of this would have happened had she not run away that night. Frank kept talking. I never forgot the love you had for me. It has pushed me to go on. The guards were closing in on him as he was continuously told to sit down, or he'd be removed. It didn't matter to him. The guards seized him when he disobeyed again, and began dragging him from the courtroom. Now was his chance, because he wouldn't get another one. Frank looked at Ness, and spoke loudly over the crowd. You were the only woman I ever loved. The only woman that ever loved me. He slipped his hand out of the guard's grasp, and shoved it inside his pocket. He closed his hand around the shank he had made last night instead of sleeping, and plunged it deep into his neck. There were screams from behind him, and in front of him. He kept his gaze locked on Ness. She had screamed and covered her mouth. The guards tried to help, but it was no use. Frank yanked the sharp object out of his neck, and continued bleeding. The life draining from his eyes is the last thing he saw before his gaze became cloudy and black. 
was the face of the woman he would have done anything for had she ever asked him. Amber had been there that day, and although she would never forget what happened, as the weeks and months and even years passed, it was pushed further and further into the back of her mind. Amber had learned a lot since then. She had realized why Fickle had done what he did, both killing those women, including her mother and himself. She didn't think it was justified, any of it, of course not, but she had looked at all the angles of the situation and tried to understand the mindset behind it. It was how she coped, trying to understand his perspective of things. It wasn't easy, as it was so close to home, and so personal, but that was what she did. She was a writer. She took characters and dissected their every move and thought. Fickle died that day in the courtroom. They hadn't made it in time to the hospital. He had lost too much blood. He was a killer. He knew what he was doing and how to kill someone. Looking back, she wondered how he would ever survive in a place like prison, but... I guess he wondered the same thing. He must have thought that he wouldn't make it long, or that living was a waste of time, after being betrayed by the only person that had ever showed him love and compassion. Nothing else mattered in the world, and so he decided the best way to end his own pain and suffering for good was to take his own life. Amber and Lily had moved shortly after everything had happened. Neither wanted to be in that town again, and Amber hated getting the stares and whispers anytime she went anywhere, and Lily agreed that a new adventure and fresh start would be best. It was time that Amber started living. All right, everyone. That's it for today's episode and actually for the series. That's right. That was the last episode of In Her Name. Wow. So what do we all think? Did you enjoy the series? Let me know over on my Instagram, which is written by Lauren podcast. And if you're sad the series is over, don't worry because I've got another one for you. Be sure to come back next week for an all new episode of an all new series. Thank you guys for listening and be sure to leave a review if you can. And I hope to see you guys next week.